five weeks and three days after you left the earth. I don't even know where to begin to accept this. And I guess, will I ever? I'm not even sure at this point. Am I even sure of anything? I guess that sums up how I'm currently feeling and interacting with the world at the minute. Like this prominent, invasive question mark is hanging over everything and waiting around every corner. Why? This word has almost become my new go-to, my new friend, my enemy and nemesis. The word I think about the most. It fills my head a lot of the time. It appears in different formats and disguises. That doesn't make sense. I wonder if, how can that be? That doesn't sound like Sean. Did this lead to that? I could go on and on with this list of questions and theories, scenarios, and most of all, whether I could have changed your mind about the path you have chosen. The person who wrote that diary entry that we just heard is Victoria Noon. Now, Victoria got in touch with us just a few weeks after losing her brother Sean to suicide in September of 2022. She wanted to share her story, the story of someone dealing with the really early days of grief. Now, as you'll already know, if you subscribe to Speaking of Suicide, it can make for a challenging listen because we talk very openly and honestly about loss and grief. A word of warning though, this episode is particularly raw. So if you do find it too much, please do press pause. And if you need help and support, I'll be giving out the Mikey's Line number at the end of the podcast. Now we're gonna hear a few excerpts of Victoria's writing about Sean's death because it brings up lots of issues which I'm sure will resonate with a lot of you listening to this. But I wanted to start by finding out why Victoria felt so strongly about talking to us for speaking of suicide. Um, I feel like I was just catapulted into this world um, of dealing with suicide in terms of... I know, I know no one sees it coming, but I, I really did not see this one coming with Sean just because he was the type of person he was. And... I started to want to understand naturally, I think, um, which I know, you know, everybody in this position, they just want to know why, they want to find a reason for it. And then I started to do some research on men's mental health and just just for my own understanding, really, and perhaps bring myself a little bit of peace. Um, and I stumbled upon the podcast um and I listened to all of them. I listened to, um, I think there's two series. Is it two series, or is yeah. it just one one big series? Um, I listened to them all, and it it was sometimes difficult to listen to, um, just in terms of hearing from people that were on the point of suicide and then came back, because um, it was just upsetting to think that Sean had been in that place. Um, and then listening to other people in my position, but I just felt like there was a lot of it was 
spoken about further down the line than what I was. So I was having trouble identifying with some of the thoughts and feelings that I was having at that moment. Um, So that's what made me reach out initially to speak about how I how I'm dealing with it at the moment but perhaps that could help someone else or other people could identify with it so that's kind of where it originated from we're going to come on and and talk about your kind of stage of grief um as as we chat but but to begin with I really want to get to know Sean a bit better so yeah tell me about Sean if you don't mind what what was he like how would you describe him um Sean was a very I mean I I probably will get a little bit upset at this point even though you can see a smile on my face when I think about him um Sean was a really charismatic larger than life um amazing person and he he was a very popular guy um he was one of them people like everybody seemed to know him um, or knew him through someone or um, he was a very focused person um, and he made he made his dreams come true and I was really proud of him for that because he went to live and work in New Zealand um, nearly six years ago now, um, which shows his determination. Um, but he was just a really fun funny upbeat guy he he did have a sensitive side he did have like a serious side also which probably not many people saw unless he was really close to him um but he was a really caring um considerate person yeah he was he was brilliant what was the age gap between you um sean was five years younger than me so he was 35. And you close? You were close? Yeah. Yeah. To, to be honest, when, when we was growing up, he was always my annoying little brother <laughs> because he was very much mummy's boy and he was very, very mischievous, even from being, um, even from being like, re- like super small. He could walk when he was nine months old. So he was, he was always a little bit of a terror, to be honest. Um, and I think the age gap of the five years at certain points in our life um, kind of led us to probably bicker and, and fight, not fight in that sense, but argue. And like when I was 16, he was only 11. So um, he was, like I said, that annoying little brother. But as we got older and Sean then got into his, his adult life, we we become closer and closer and closer. And strangely enough, we was actually at our closest point when he lived on the other side of the world. So, which is strange to say rather than him when he lived around the corner from me. But yeah, we was, we was really close. It's funny. My, I've got two older brothers and, and I still get referred to as, as their little sister. Um, and I think yeah. they still kind of, um, the, and the gap between me and my oldest brother is five years same as the gap between you oh, and okay. I, I think he's always felt protective towards me I've always felt that from yeah. from being the younger one did you feel protective to Sean yeah yeah very yeah very protective um and as he got 
as he got older, he was also very protective towards me because it was just me and Sean. Um, yeah, I feel like we was like a we we did have like a bond. We did we definitely did have like a a unique sibling bond. I would say just yeah, I, th- I think we th- we thought very similar, um, and we had very similar values um, and morals. So. Yeah, I think we we felt. I always felt protective over him, but I think he that was reciprocated also. I've got an impossible question for you, but it's a question that you raised yourself in the 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 reading we heard at the top of the podcast, which is that big question of yeah. why. And I've no doubt that's yeah. round and round and round in your head over the last few weeks. But have you any sense of yeah. why this larger than life character decided? to to end his life i feel like because it will be 13 weeks on thursday um that we lost sean and i feel like i am getting a sense of understanding um just because i i you know i do analyze everything and i'm i'm trying to obviously find a reason um and i can see sean i know i mentioned to you um, that Sean had diaries, he had um, journals which he sent to me. Um, so I've read a lot through them. I haven't read them all because there's quite a lot and they're very, very detailed in terms of his day-to-day life. Um, but I can see a decline um, and I can see behaviour that would lend itself to Sean not really being well I would say um so I've got an understanding of the path that he took but perhaps not of the final decision I guess we'll come back and talk about the journals because I want to talk about your writing too but we'll do that a little bit later on um you say the thing that you ask most of all is whether you could have changed Sean's mind about taking his life yeah you know what I'm sure that is something that so many people must must ask themselves um yeah how how do you feel about not having been in a position to change his mind I mean are you do you think you could have um I'm I'm beginning to understand now that I probably wouldn't have changed his mind um I perhaps could have delayed it is where I'm at at the minute and yeah, I had a conversation recently with one of my friends and it was along these lines where I was analysing whether I could have gone over to New Zealand and and kind of been at the side of him and kept him safe, but I couldn't do that for the rest of my life and it wasn't about keeping him safe really in that respect because he was he was too much of too far gone in his own mental health he needed to be treated for his mental health to have had any kind of chance of bringing him back from that and I understand that now and I I do feel a sense of responsibility that I couldn't sorry it's okay just take your time I'm sorry, Victoria. I know these are these are difficult, chewy questions I'm throwing at you. 
but we can... We no, can it's pause. fine. No, it's fine. What's, what's hurting most just now? Probably just like the... How irreversible it always. And you still, I guess you still feel you could have done something, even though you know rationally, but you do still feel that you could have done something, I guess. Do you give yourself a hard time? Day to day, I don't, as in, because I know... You know, I'm quite self-aware and, and I don't put myself in that position, but I can have dark moments and that's ten, that tends to be when I do, when I write. Um, like I don't particularly sleep very well still. Um, so I can get into that rabbit hole of questions and giving myself a hard time about it. Um, but I do, I, I know that Sean wouldn't want me to do that. Like, he he would be really hurt if I felt like that. So I try, I try and not do. Let's hear another part of your writing. We've had these excerpts voiced by an actor because, quite understandably, you weren't sure you could read them yourself. So we'll have a little listen to this. No. And then we'll carry on, all right? The rational part of my brain knows that if you stood in front of me today and told me definitively the answer to all those questions, I still would never accept and let go of the hope. Did you lose hope? Is that what drives people to make that decision to end their own life? Is that the snapping point, the edge of the cliff? The strength, if that's the right word, to inflict the measures needed to stop your own heart in your chest from beating, to starve your organs of oxygen to wait for your brain to stop firing the all-important neurons to keep us alive, to stop your thoughts. Victoria, I found that idea of strength a really interesting one. We talk about strength as a positive attribute in life in general. Um, yeah, but clearly not when it allows someone we love to take their own life. So I yeah. see strength as being something that can kind of move around a bit in terms of its meaning and and the value we put on it. Was Sean strong? Did you see him as a a strong guy? Yeah, really strong. Yeah, really, really, really strong. Um, and it's interesting because I did have this conversation with one of my good friends who's a clinical psychologist and she said like that determination and strength that Sean has and this was at the point where he was he was still with us but he was in hospital and 
she said that could also be a negative for him because he is so strong-minded and such a strong person. So when he makes a decision about something, then it, he will see it through. Um, so I think that's when I talk about like the strength to do that. And like I said, I don't even know whether that's the right word or it isn't. Um, but yeah, Sean was, Sean was a very, he was a very strong person physically and mentally. Um, and, and I still stand by that definitely. And he did, he did use that strength to help other people as well through the mental battles. Um, probably for the last three or four years with like close friends and family. I wonder though, if sometimes what we mean by strength, when we use that word strong, I, I sometimes found that people use it when they're meaning that we don't show our emotions, that we show strength mm. in the face of really difficult stuff that we seem to equate strength with, with, we seem to equate strength with, sort of controlling ourselves not not necessarily yeah. opening up um and i i wonder if actually i'm just interested to get your thoughts on whether actually strength could be about being able to open up about these things rather than not i mean do you get described as strong i do yeah and it, it's a strange concept because when you're going through stuff, you don't feel strong. And when you, when you're getting upset and you're crying and, and you're having them days where, you know, you, you're finding things difficult and like, that's the, that's the last thing that you feel. Um, but it, it, it is a strength to, I, I think being honest and open is a, is a huge strength, especially about, things like this about things that hurt you and uh, are really hard to deal with in day-to-day -day life and have such an effect on you but um I guess it's hard to say that about yourself I would guess. Do you feel you've had to be strong in coping with Sean's death because it's made you an only child have you got to be strong for other people? Yeah definitely um so we lost mum three years ago, well, no, four years ago, it will be in February. Um, so there's just me and my dad. Um, and I, I think I've always taken that role on, to be honest, in our family, where I've always um, kind of been the the practical one, the, the person that rounds everybody up, the person that kind of sorts things, if you like. Uh, and me and Sean did discuss that quite a lot where we felt sometimes that we and this is no like disrespect to my mum and dad but sometimes we felt like we took on the parental roles as we got older um <laughs> just like just down to things like my dad moving house during lockdown and it, and I'd like did everything for him because he just couldn't he couldn't um get his head round like solicitors and, and different things just just like practical stuff I guess problem solving but yeah I do feel like I'm I've had to be strong for my dad my dad's journey in this is very very different from mine um he gives you a little snippet so he'll talk about Sean 
he'll just come up with something and he'll just say, I don't understand this or, and then he'll shut back down again and get on with his everyday life. He, he's not ready to face, he knows Sean's not here obviously, but he's not ready to face the, the reality of it yet where I'm very much like, I I have to get, I have to deal with it there and then as it is and, and, and be open about it. Um, so I do feel like I need to be strong for my dad and my own children. Um, so, and, and the rest of my family, like it's had like a unbelievably like massive impact on even the wider family and friends, which I know people, people in this position, you know, it's, that's a, that's a normal thing. It's, it's kind of just a, a wave that's just gone out and it's, yeah, I do feel like, especially Sean's friends, I feel like I'm a bit of a, um, I don't know whether I just remind them of Sean or whether it's just the, the seeking for, I don't know, the seeking a little bit of comfort or, but I do feel like I need to be strong for them also. That's a lot of pressure. Sounds like a lot of pressure. Yeah. I know Sean worked in a traditionally strong industry in construction. He was a plasterer, is that right? Yes, he was, yeah. How much do you think that was a an influence on his perception that he needed to be perceived as strong? Um, it's it's an industry where traditionally I think showing emotion is it can be construed as as a weakness. Were you ever aware of yeah. that with him working in construction? The only glimpse I kind of got of that um, was when he came over for a visit recently and we talked about um, anxiety because he was he's very, very anxious at that time. And he was... He was frightened of telling the closer people in his life, like his friends and his girlfriend at the time, he was frightened of telling them that he suffered from anxiety. Now, whether that came from, like, deep-rooted beliefs, like you say, within, like, that industry, or whether that was Sean not wanting to portray himself um, as weak, because we did have a very frank conversation about it, and I said, what, you know... I myself suffer from anxiety and I asked him to describe how, how he how he viewed me um, as a sufferer of anxiety and it was completely different to his view of himself. So his view of himself was weakness and um, not not the just completely not the person that he was, like somebody who wasn't capable. Um it, it was really interesting to see the comparison that he put between himself and, and me in in that description of of a sufferer of anxiety. So whether whether that is is deep rooted in the um, in the industry that he was in, I'm not too sure, but he definitely felt it. What do you think he was frightened of about admitting that he felt anxious? He was frightened of how other people would view him and whether this 
I guess I guess we all to an extent have a a view of how other people view us. And I feel I do feel like this was part of Sean's um decline, to be quite honest. He worked really hard on I said well, almost perfectionism, I would say. Um and he wanted to be viewed in a certain way and he and he put a lot of work into becoming that person. Um, which he was that person anyway, he didn't need to work on it. But he was I think that was the his I guess that was his hesitation in revealing that he was a sufferer because he didn't want that perception to change that people had of him. Let's have another little piece of your writing um, and then we'll come okay. back to it some more. Six weeks and two days. Sean, you had such a long, happy life ahead of you. You really did. And that statement comes with no judgment, just an intense sadness that I feel will never leave me, that your absence is now permanent, never to be changed. So many experiences, memories, loves, milestones, the list is infinite and now never to be had. How is this even true? Your whole life and being is in my lounge now as I type. Your ashes, clothes, suitcase, journals, your image encased forever in a glass frame, in a memory or thought, the way it will now stay forever. This wasn't your time. I thought it was us against the world. We could help each other, pull each other through anything. I am so, so sorry that you arrived at such a torturous place in your mind. The hurt must have been immense, overwhelming and incredibly painful for you. It hits me in the heart that you experience this pain. What really struck me on reading that and listening to it there was your compassion for Sean and and what he's done your compassion and empathy for his his pain this may sound like an odd question but has it been difficult to find that compassion for what Sean has done because it's it's put you into a lot of pain um I was just interested in where you where you sit with that. Do you know what? I don't think it has been hard for me to find that compassion. Um, I know from listening to other people talk about their losses um, of family members through suicide, they talk about an anger. Um, and I know some of Sean's close friends um have also felt like an anger as as to why he would do that but I've 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 never felt that about it um yeah I've I've never I've felt hurt that he would leave me 
that was kind of, and I don't know whether that's a selfish thought or it isn't. Um, but I have, I've never felt anger about it. So I think the absence of that anger is made, I don't know, is probably enabled me to be compassionate. And even just listen, even though they're my words and listening to you, listening to them being spoken, it's like it, it hits me how I, how you, how you know, how it's described. Like it really does hit me in the heart. Um, to know that he was in so much pain. I know you've mentioned that you um, very sadly lost your mum, Trish, four years ago. I've heard yeah. a lot of people say that the, the grief from suicide is quite a different kind of grief. They, they say it feels yes. uniquely different. Um, yeah. Can you explain how, why, why is it a different kind of grief for you? Because unfortunately you've had two lots of grief when we, really close together yeah yeah and that's that's been really difficult um not just for me but for our family as well um when probably in the first couple of weeks after Sean's passing I did I, I do remember like saying to to people like it feels it feels familiar like the the grief feels familiar but it's completely different um and I think even with my mum um she was only 54 when we lost her so she was she was still pretty young and still had a lot of life ahead of her really um and it was quite a you know she passed quite quickly just got rushed into hospital and then probably a day and a half later we lost her um, and it was such a quick it, it was so out of the blue shall we say she wasn't in the best of health but s still not where you would consider like she would be leaving us anytime soon um but I guess you had a reason for it so you had a reason on a death certificate which was medical and that it stops them questions. You still you still have a similar questions where you think, could I have done you know, could I have known, could I have done anything, you know, could have could I have rung an ambulance quicker or but I don't think you you just don't you're not catapulted into that world of just con like constant questions of you just don't have the understanding of of what of the reasons, I guess, where with somebody what dies from something medically, you know, physically um, related, you, you've you've got that answer. Where with with uh, suicide, you just you just don't have the answers, and and you never will do. And it's accepting that, I guess, at some point. One of the questions that you you raise in your writing, which really snagged me, um, in in your more recent writing, in fact, is. Um, you say you've had conflicting thoughts and feelings of being a hypocrite because you're able to start feeling small bits of positivity in your life um, yeah. because you're not constantly, you know, capsized all day, every day. 
And you ask yourself whether yeah. you're, you know, behaving like someone who has lost someone to suicide. That that broke my heart, I have to say. Um, it, it's all heartbreaking, <laughs> but I, I, I kind of, it really snagged me, Victoria, because I thought, you know, it, it really felt like an insight for me into where you're at, that you feel guilty yeah. for feeling these little pockets of of yeah. positivity um yeah how, and how much of it how much is that a daily wrestle how much does that business of um you know am I allowed to be getting on with my life I, I want you it does feature daily um just I guess it's like Sean is never out of my head um and that was very similar with my mum like I still think about my mum all the time but at first it's quite consuming that you're just constantly thinking about that person and you're constantly thinking about all the things that you're experiencing that they're not going to experience um and that's still still very fresh um at the minute with Sean so I guess that's probably why it's featuring quite a lot in my mind at the minute um I don't know maybe maybe it's a maybe it's along the lines of looking outside in and thinking is is this what I should be doing is you know should I like we're going on holiday in in January should we be going on holiday you know should I be like not as much anymore but even in the early days should I be laughing should I be you know is this if somebody saw me laughing like you know is that something that I should be doing you know it's it's a very odd concept to be honest very odd concept to to live with I guess but I know I know that it will just from my experience with grief from my mum I know that that will it will get easier over time and it will ever wear um as time goes on but yeah it, at the minute it still features in daily let's hear another bit of your writing this is about wishing today has been a day of wishing i wish you could have spoken about your true feelings and struggles i wish you could have been honest with at least yourself used your journaling in an honest way so that we could have helped you express some of those feelings and thoughts. I wish you could have helped yourself in the way you helped many other people get through their mental health struggles. I wish you could have believed in yourself and the strength you had and not viewed your struggles as a weakness of character. I wish I could have helped you. Victor, I'm interested that you say you wish Sean could have been more honest so he could have expressed his feelings in, in his journaling. How much has your writing been about doing just that? About, you know, if he he maybe couldn't be honest in his journaling, but is this writing on about you being honest and how difficult is that? Um, it's 100% about being honest and... Um, not only for myself to be, you know, it's not only for myself. I, I do 
see my writing hopefully helping other people, even if it's just within um, close friends and family. I know some of some of Sean's close people, um, and I know in my writing I refer to them as the inner circle. They they you know going through this roller coaster, and I have been sending them little bits of my writing just to hopefully help and just say, listen, you're not alone on you know, these thoughts and you're not alone on these feelings. Like, you know, it's, we're experiencing, you know, not the same, but very, very similar in our own ways. And, and it also helps me to just, it just helps me to get it out of my head and put it down on, on, on paper. And I hope down the line, I can look back at that honesty and, and see the progression, I guess. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's it's all about honesty. It's definitely all about honesty. It's very striking in the letters, um, very striking in your writing that they're they're written to Sean. You're it yeah. feels like you're having a direct conversation with him. Yeah. Was that just an instinctive yeah, thing that you wanted to do? Is that part of the process? Yeah, I think of picking through all this. I think so, and and I guess in some strange way, it's not dissimilar to some of our communication because Sean was on the other side of the world. We would we only had certain windows of time that we could speak to each other, so it would either be early in the morning or late at night, just because of the time difference and we would voice note a lot. So I guess for me, I'm all, it's not strange for me to not have that two-way conversation with Sean, if that makes sense. And and I did find when, because uh, we we had, uh, I made the decision to bring Sean back to the UK for his funeral. Um, I just felt like it was the right thing to do. Um so when he was in the funeral home, um, he was there for nearly two weeks and I went every day to see him. And I know that some people was a little bit like my dad was quite worried that I was doing this. and But it, it was part of my process and I would sit with him for an hour, sometimes two hours, and I would tell him, you know, what what I'd been up to, what conversations I'd had, and just, just like I would do normally. Um and I think it, it just brought me some comfort because I wasn't always used to, you know, we would speak to each other on the phone, but a lot lot of our, our communication was voice notes and we would pick back up at, at different times during that day when, when we'd picked up each other's voice notes. Um, so I guess in a way, part of it is that and, and part of it is it allows me to feel closer to him. And I know he's not there, but it just it it still enables that connection with him, I guess. You've been amazingly brave in talking to me about these early days of your grief. What do you want anyone listening to this to take away from your experience? What would you say to someone else in similar circumstances, Victoria? I would probably 
say even if there's at least one person that you can feel like you can open up and be honest with then you know that's that's something that you should do um or even if you write it down and you show someone I just think it's a very vulnerable time and the more honest that you can be about how you're feeling and what you're thinking then the better really just just for your own progression through this and yeah just just open up to other people that will be feeling similar or will have felt similar or um yeah keep them people close and and try and share your journey with them thank you for your honesty i wish i could tell you that things were magically going to get better but of course i can't um but i do know that there will be many, many people listening to this who will be thinking of you, supporting you and holding you very deeply in their hearts. So thank you for talking to me on Speaking of Suicide and and go well. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to as well. Um, I know it was a bit of a strange request to come forward so early, but I, I did feel quite passionately about it and you know and I just hope that it helps somebody else what's in the early stages of dealing with this type of grief so thank you nine weeks and four days there are lots of what ifs and maybes and I need to accept that I will never know but one thing I do know is that it's imperative that I find a way to cope with this pain and see my own future. I now need to identify the path at the crossroads that is dappled in light, glimmers that I will find a way to adjust to this new reality, to accept the parts that will naturally be in the shadows as I work through this process but to trust that this new version of my life and future will still be full of happiness, joy, love, laughter and progression. I know throughout all that lies ahead that you will be with me. You will still support and play a part in the decisions that I will make as you did when you had breath in your body. I can take comfort in this and not see it through eyes glazed with sadness, but with positivity for the future. I do feel a renewed energy and focus for progression. I know that this has got to be positive. I know that this has got to be the positive that comes from losing you. I can thank you for, and I know this would make you smile. A final reading there from Victoria Noon's diary. Listening to that with me is Shona McPherson from Mikey's Line. Shona, I found that a particularly heartbreaking interview to do, I have to say, but I so admired 
Victoria for stepping forward to talk about her loss so early on. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I find it really helpful and insightful to get that that window um, into Victoria's experiences at such an early stage in her grief journey. Like her, her powerful writing, giving us a, a kind of way into her inner world. And that inner world, I guess what I noticed was she was using her writing to process what had happened and to also give her more perspective um, and to make meaning. And she also kind of got such a sense of her describing the, the needs she felt to be strong for everyone, for Sean, for her dad, her kids, his friends. And the final thing I guess I really noticed was her compassion for Sean. And then I think the wider point that I want to make is that um, it's really important if we've lost someone to suicide that we find a way that's right for us to process our thoughts and our feelings. It's incredibly beneficial to our grieving. And how we do that is up to us. Maybe, like Victoria, we might find it helpful to find a way to remember our loved one and the way she did it through, through writing her journal. Um, it could be through going through old photographs. It could be visiting places that were special to us together. Um, um, yeah, or it could be that that feels too soon for us. We might not feel ready and that's just as okay. And it might be that self-care activities, just um, looking after ourselves um, is, is what's okay for us right now. And in um, Rory O'Connor's book uh, when it's darkest he talks about the uniqueness of our grief journey through suicide and kind of reminds us that we are all unique and therefore our kind of journey through through grieving will be unique and that there's no set pathway um, through bereavement so you may be grieving and acting and thinking differently to Victoria and I want to say that that's very okay and that's very normal and that you will find your own path in your own time and just to request that you give yourself compassion and allow this so that's that's what came up for me listening to Victoria's story thanks Shona don't forget it is okay not to be okay and if you need someone to talk to you can text Mikey's line on 07786 20 77 55 or you can contact them via messenger web chat or twitter and the number for whatsapp is 01463 729 you can contact them sunday to thursday 6 p.m to 10 p.m friday to saturday 7 p.m to 7 a.m or you can go and visit them at the hive 19 academy street inverness they're open seven days a week from 6 p.m to 10 p.m Speaking of Suicide is funded by Mikey's Line and the platform is sponsored by Highland-based family firm D&D Paving Limited. If you'd like to sponsor an episode, do get in touch. And if you'd like to share your story, we'd love to hear from you. Speaking of Suicide is produced by Adventurous Audio Limited. Mm-hmm.